Andy, it's your grandfather. I'm okay. Your grandmother is okay. We're in quarantine in our house and everything is fine. You don't have to worry about us. Don't call every 30 minutes. We're okay. We're listening to the advice that we see on the news. And we're not going outside for our walks anymore. And your grandmother's not playing canasta until this is all done. So we're okay. Just be safe. Watch some movies. This is going to be okay. When I was your age, I went to Korea and all my friends died. So you're going to be okay. I promise. Okay, I love you. If you feel sick, go to the doctor. Otherwise, just have fun and relax. I'll try calling you next week. I love you. Bye. Andy, Dr. Lefman, I got your message. Uh, you do not have COVID-19. The symptoms that you described, uh, trouble urinating, uh, pain in the urethra, and a uh, discharge coming out of urethra, uh, is not coronavirus. I believe you have chlamydia. Uh, I can send you a prescription if you need. Uh, right now, I just need to focus on some of the patients that have coronavirus. Call my office. They'll write you a script, um, but you don't have coronavirus. Let me know if you need anything else. See you at your next physical. Bye-bye. When I find myself in times of trouble, C-O-V-I-D-19. There are no words of wisdom in quarantine I'm in the 80th hour of Netflix And we're almost out of fucking weed There must be a dealer in quarantine Quarantine, 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 quarantine There is no All the stupid fucking assholes go on vacation to the beach I'll be sitting on my ass in quarantine Now I'm forced to stay home alone But Uber Eats will come to me Bring me meat lovers pizza in quarantine Quarantine, quarantine Quarantine, quarantine There is no toilet paper in quarantine Andy Frasco's World Saving Podcast. 
quarantine up in this motherfucker. You know what I just realized? I'm just a, I'm adopting to this quarantine life. I am fucking bare ass naked right now in my kitchen, dick wabbling. Look, do you hear it? No, you probably can't. But I'm naked. We're partying. We're gonna make the best out of this quarantine. You know, Chris, play some fucking Pointer Sisters right now. Come on, baby, let's go. Woo! That's what I'm talking about. Get fucking pumped. This is the only way we're gonna make through this. Optimism, optimism, optimism. How we doing, everyone? Is everyone doing okay? Wild times out here, out in these streets. California lockdown, New York lockdown crazy we got to make the best of this situation because we don't know we're gonna be in here for a long time so we might as well you know play a different song give me something more upbeat chris give me something more upbeat let's go yes we're out here quarantine life in full effect i'm having tea i'm drinking coffee i've never eaten so many goddamn vitamins in my life i'm snorting nyquil like it's cocaine <laughs> just kidding we're out here, y'all. We need to be. We need to put a smile on each other's faces because we could just like roll around in our shit, or we could fucking live this. We could feel this shit, and we could just try to be the best we could fucking be. So let's listen to this interview. Let's fucking feel good. Let's fucking dance a little bit. Wake up and fucking dance, dude. Come on. Let's enjoy this, cause you know. We're going to look back in this shit 20 years ago and we're going to be fucking stressed out of work again, overworked and underpaid. I'm like, fuck, should have took advantage of that quarantine. So take advantage of it now. Get better. Feel good. Read a fucking book. You know, do whatever you got to do. Let's fight this shit with optimism. All right, guys, enjoy the interview and I'll catch you on the tail end. Let's fuck this quarantine up. Fuck the Rona. Fuck it. Thank you. All right, next up on the interview hour, we have the man, the myth, the beard. We got Rev from Little Smokies on the show. Came over the house, fucking killer dude. Getting to know this guy's been amazing. His band's killer, and yeah, I just didn't know his past, so I can't wait for you to hear it too. Chris, play some Little Smokies while I'm pimping out my motherfucker. Um, but he's the man. It's going to be a great one. Still longer than... I didn't, no cuts, this is all conversation, and it was a vibe. So, ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy Red Little Smokies. Give me an island, babe. I'm gonna push the needle through. It's all on fire today, but it's bending, it's bending too far. Don't you wanna know how this ends now? I can't find the tone. Don't you wanna know 
playing. Hey, Rev. What, what, hey, what's what's up, Andy? Oh, Smash Mouth? Well, you remember that dude, John something? He did uh, covers of different songs with using just the lyrics to All Star from Smash Mouth. <laughs> no? What is uh, I'll, that? Send, I'll send it to you. What is it? Explain it to the audience. Let's see here. Hello, audience. We got Rev from Little Smokies on the show today. Hey, why do they call you Rev? Are you prepared for that story right now? Right now. Right, right now. We got all the time in the world. We're quarantined, baby. All right. Well, normally I do give a fairly brief, concise explanation. No, go full But on. since we're here, we got some time. Uh, we're going to go back to 1986. 86. How old were you? I was two years old. Okay. I hope that I can accurately portray these events with respect for my, for my folks. Uh, so, Dad, Mom, if you're listening out there. Pardon me if I uh, if I don't tell the story right. Uh, my parents, or at least my dad, was a heroin addict at at one point, and uh, he. Uh, hold on for one second here. Oh. I got. Yeah, take some breath. Got to get into the performance mode again, man. Dude, don't even perform. Just just be my friend. I'll be your friend, Andy. All right, so we're going back to 1986 here. My father was a heroin addict, and the story that I've been told is that I was about two years old, and he had gear, was getting ready to get high, and I was playing with him, trying to get his attention. Yeah. And he looked down at me, put away the drugs, and never touched him again. Uh, Why did it take two years of you being born? Who knows? Uh, I'm sure he does. I don't really blame someone for taking time on that. I mean, that's, I don't understand what it's like, but, um, yeah, I, I don't fault people for falling victim to those things. Yeah. It's, it's hard to understand, and I, I can't imagine what it would be like to try to kick heroin. Um, have you ever been addicted to anything? Uh, let's see here. I can say cigarettes. Yeah. I can say, uh, food. Yeah, me too. Uh, performance. Yes. Uh, that's very much an addiction for me. Uh-huh. Playing music. Yeah. I think we can all identify with physical and mental symptoms. That's the problem. People think that you could just get addicted to drugs. When no, you could get addicted to stimulation. Yeah. Like us. I mean, this is why we're fucking crazy people. We stay on the road for 250 shows a year. But we're going to talk about that in a second. I want to get back to this story with your dad kicking heroin for oh, the, yeah. the Rev. So um, my parents are as, as loving and kind as anyone I've ever met. It's an incredible gift that they gave me to stay together for my entire life. They still live in the home that I spent most of my childhood in. Uh, Where's that? In Arlington, Washington, just north of Seattle, about an hour. And it's a small town, um, probably... When I lived there, 10, 20,000 people in town, and then we lived outside of town. I was homeschooled uh, with my two brothers and an ostrich farm next door. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'll t- I'll t- we'll talk later about ostrich mating calls and dances. All right, cool. Um, so you're in, you're in uh, Washington. You're two years old. Two years old. My father decides to throw it all, throw it all down and give it up uh, for me, and I'm sure for my mom, but... Uh, I'll always be grateful for for his willpower and determination there. And then even more so, my mother's, because I don't believe that she was using heroin at that time. 
And I can't imagine the difficulties there and the, the love that that must take. Especially when she's pregnant and, you're, and Papa Bear is fucking shooting up. Yeah. Hey, kudos, Mom, if you're listening. Yeah, shout out to Mom Bear. Mama Rev. Mama Rev. Uh, and th- the point of this is uh, they, they got themselves a second belly button and traded heroin for Jesus. You get born again, you get a second belly button. Um, and Is that what they call it? That's, well, that's what I've heard it referred to as. Uh, Were they religious before? I don't believe so. Um, I think it was a, always a part of their lives, but not like they, they committed to... Um, I truly believe the spirit of Christ, you know, beyond being involved in organized religion, they, I do believe that is the reason why they're Christians is because they want to be like Christ. Yeah. And that's something that I can obviously get, I can obviously really appreciate. Yeah. I think you have to, uh, when someone can look past some of the shortcomings of an organization and follow its purpose, its original purpose. Yeah. Um, I'm not a religious man. Were you growing up? Yes. And I, because of church, that's where I started playing piano. So that's where this all was headed. I get saved by Jesus. Uh, when? Well, I, I would argue that Jesus saved me when my dad stopped doing drugs. Yeah, okay. So uh, my life has been made better. My life, I've been able to do almost anything I've ever wanted uh, because of Jesus. Uh-huh. Uh, which is an interesting um, wrestling match where I don't, I don't believe in it. And I didn't choose to not believe in it. I fell from grace naturally. Uh-huh. Um, but I was saved by Jesus, I think. Yeah. So being saved by Jesus, you're you're going through this. You're learning piano. Mm-hmm. And how'd the Rev name come then? All right. Um, it's going to take a minute to get to the to the punchline here because it, it it all it all plays a part, I believe. Uh, I fell in love with hymns, uh, playing piano in church. They're gorgeous, more or less Bach chorales. Many of the lyrics are really inspiring. Uh, For example, it's the one, uh, Be Thou My Vision is a lovely tune. What's the lyrics of that? Be Thou My Vision, O Lord of My Life. Oh, man. Now i got to remember it. What'd you like about it? What was the meaning? Uh, basically, uh, you can have hope even in the darkest hour. Um, it is well with my soul. A mighty fortress is our God. These these songs that really bring people together around community and, and taking care of each other uh, are gorgeous tunes that are written in the style of, of traditional Western harmony, which mm-hmm. is another part of where we're going to. Um and there, I understand the hope that that kind of community can provide. We find it in our musical community. Yeah. I, I feel strongly that we're going to church every night when we go out and play. Yeah, especially when we go to festivals and all our all our our pastors, in a say, mm-hmm. <laughs> like all are together yep. at the fucking watering or the, the you know, the water jug yeah hey and then like the yeah or it's just the dad machine (laughs) whatever we fucking hippies do these days yeah the sacraments of our religion are a little more fun than just wafers and grape juice (laughs) 
But um, so you're here, you're there. You felt, did you feel like, were you always having dark thoughts when you were a kid? No, I had the greatest childhood ever. Uh, my parents instilled uh, an undying sense of confidence in me. You can do anything. Believe in yourself. If you need something, we got it for you. Um, and something that I think back on, like my parents spent thousands of dollars buying me different musical equipment on different whims. Mm-hmm. You look back on it, it's a ton of money. But we've lost sight of that because, oh, four grand for a keyboard. That's, yeah, whatever. That's how, how much they cost. In this case, like, you know, $500 for a guitar for a 16-year-old kid. That's insane. Yeah. So it's like, whatever. if you want to do this, we're going to do it right. Yeah. They, they, they really did allow me to do whatever I wanted. Um, and let's see here. So fall in love with piano, fall in love with that, get into this church band. And it was a big church. There were like 650, 700 people. That's what it could hold at the time. So you going to like church uh, Wednesdays, like with the kids and shit, and like watching the fucking Jesus band, like, what's up, God? Totally, totally. <laughs> like, how we doing, God? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Were you part of that band? Yeah. Oh yeah. So the church band was hot, man. We had <laughs> we had like four different bands. Yeah. Ba- a really badass uh, Steinway <laughs> drum kit, occasionally like horns, and like. <laughs> We got down, man. Michael the W. Smith man was you, lit, dog. Dude, it was fire. The most adult contemporary experience of my life. And you know, I still love adult contemporary music. Speaking of like Kenny Rogers. Yeah, rest in so peace. rest in peace, Kenny. Thank you for being so adult and so contemporary. Um what I love you, I, but I love that music, the church music from the nineties. Michael What do you w. like about it? Um I think it's the same thing I like about hearing the other music that I that I like. It's about coming Overcoming adversity together. Yeah. Uh, I think people are going to always find interesting ways to, to get there. But if that is your focus, I can, I can get behind your path. Uh-huh. We all stumble on our way to that in whatever way you're going with it. And you've uh, never stumbled? <laughs> not even once. Really? <laughs> Let's see here. I've been stumbling for... Uh, I think it all started, the, the stumble began in college. And actually, we can kind of, we can get to that now. So piano started it. Then I got into drums. Played that for, for quite a while. Uh, in college, tried out bass. Uh, was never terribly good at it. Were you uh, good at drums? Sick at drums, dog. Still good? <laughs> yeah, I was called the Quest Love of Ellensburg once. Which is un, it's, it's undue. In fact, I don't actually... Here, here would be my ad as a drummer. Um, drummer available, has van, has drum set, does not play fills. That's, that's my... Just fucking pocket drummer, just, baby. I will just give you a groove. You want a groove? Rev is my... Yeah, I am your, your fucking drummer, dog. Exactly. Uh, it's not because I don't like them. It's because well, I'm not... That's why you're the white quest club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I um, I never really loved playing drum fills. I was never very good at it. Yeah, uh, I've always sort of been a musician without a home, uh, without an instrument. Kind of still, still a musician without uh, at least without a home. Today, we'll my home is Andy that. Frasco's house. Well, I'm welcome, welcome home. Yeah, uh, at least you help me out. Where were we? So you're high school. You're learning all these instruments. You're getting into college. Yeah, you everything's happy, and then all of a sudden, maybe college hit and. Uh, 
Some yeah, we can. Happen. Yeah, we can sum it up with. Have you been the rev yet? No, the rev has not happened yet. But the okay. rev is 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 like brewing within this Matt Rieger. Uh, in high school, why? What's brewing? What what was brew? What was start? What was the first thing that started to brew it? Um, I'm sure there were others that I just didn't notice. But the one that that really sticks out is uh, Poli Sci, first year at Central Washington University. The professor was Cameron Autopolic. I doubt that he remembers me, but Cameron, if you're out there, thank you for what I'm uh, you know for what I'm about to describe. I was still really, um, really into Jesus, Christianity being the only way to salvation uh, at 20 years old still. Um, you know, really, and you know what? I don't, I don't think that was a bad thing. Uh, it, whatever I did brought me here today. And so we're good. Uh, but Cameron Autopolic, um, straightforward man. He, uh, I said something about Islam being a violent religion. And he kind of he, he turns his head slowly and goes, "Well, you don't know what you're talking about." And I'm grateful for that moment because it was the first time that my worldview was challenged. Really, uh, I'd certainly discussed the, the some of these questions about Christianity, but it had never been confronted in that way. So, were you like speaking in tongue and shit? Um. No, like I've Jesus I've can't? never <laughs> I've never spoken in tongues. I've never and and here's the core of it, why I'm no longer a Christian is that I've never felt the Lord's presence. Uh what about during the years of middle school and like do you feel it there or did you looking back at it you're like maybe it was just like forced a mix of there's a little bit of that going on, but more importantly I remember the sense of community. I remember singing songs with these people about hope and salvation and and feeling like I wasn't alone. And that's that's hard to find anywhere in the world. But were you alone? I wasn't. I've never I've never been alone. My my parents and my family have always been incredible. Cool. Um so this professor, he oh, changes yeah. your view. Yeah, he changes my view completely. I and he didn't change it, but what he did was Make me think. Okay, well, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to be well-rounded and 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 become the person that I should be and want to be, I'm going to have to evaluate some more things in my life. Why do I believe this? And then um, someone turned me on to Richard Dawkins. Uh, still love him. Uh, I can't listen or read to too much of it, or re- listen to or read to uh, much of it because it kind of turns me into him. I get a little, a little sassy. Yeah, that's how I feel with Alan Watts. Yeah, a little. When I read, growing up, like when our, when when you just chest our, our brain, like when our when people finally check you. Yeah. To like, all right, think differently. Yeah. I'm like Alan Watts was my guy, dude. Yeah. But like, yeah, I get it because we're we're sponges. Yeah. I think musicians, a lot of that is. Yeah. So keep going. So I fell from grace. It took years, several years. Um, What's that mean, fall from grace? Well, in in the traditional con- context, I think it, it means to uh, to deny the fact or the, to d- deny the notion that Christ is the only way to heaven. The belief in Christ is your savior. You want a beer? Um, no, thank you. Okay. 
I like beer just well. Actually, you know what? I don't really like beer. No, no. I, you know, I love a champagne cocktails. You got any of them lying around? Yeah, keep telling your story. <laughs> I, I think I do. Go, keep going. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I fell from grace, which which means to, in, in, at least in the historical context, to to d- deny Christ as your savior. And um, it took, like I said, it took years. Uh, but when it finally happened, it wasn't a choice that I made. It was, I, I was compelled to feel that way. Um, and that's why I've been able to kind of, kind of smooth things over a little bit with my, with those who are concerned about my salvation, that, that it's between me and, and whatever God is out there. What were they concerned of? Well, I, here's another wrestling match I have in my head. I'm pro-evangelicalism, and this is why. Uh, if you truly believe that someone is going to suffer for all of eternity and you don't tell them that I, I, I feel this way, that you, that I, and for the, your well-being, I, I would like to talk to you about Jesus Christ. However misguided I, I see that, I understand it, and I think it's okay. Uh, because like my parents have never once lied to me about any of this. They've never, all they've done is, is shown concern for me and given me, uh, the best life that they can give me. And part of that is in their, in their eyes to go to heaven. They want me to go to heaven. Who wouldn't want their child to go to heaven? And if you actually believe that there's a possibility that your child won't go to heaven and you don't do anything to change that, does that make you even a, could you be considered a bad parent? Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, and I hate to make this comparison because it's, it's not, I'll find a better one someday, but it's, uh, it's not terribly flattering to the religious perspective, but to say, for me to say that Jesus isn't real is just like me going up to someone who has schizophrenia and saying those voices aren't real. Uh huh. I get that. Um, so I, I, I do in that sense, uh, Jesus is very real and helps a lot of people. The idea of a Jesus is yeah. very real. Well, yeah. And then also the idea of you in this room with me is real, but it's also, you know, we don't know, man. Yeah. I do believe it. Yeah. I have a lot of evidence to suggest that I'm in your house. Yeah. <laughs> but it is still just an idea. <laughs> man. <laughs> Going down the rabbit hole, rabbit. <laughs> So keep going. Go back to this college thing. Okay. Uh, I went to High Sierra. Music Fest? Yes. Uh, I believe it was like 2006 or seven. Um, I wish that I could remember. I could probably look up the lineup. But anyway, um, my friend in the music department took me there. Uh, great guitar player, Tarek, if you're out there, thanks for taking me to High Sierra. It's my first music festival. Yeah. Always will be my home music festival. And man, we were able to expedite this rev process because I, I I hope you all are just hanging on for dear life here. We'll no, get we're to, we'll a lot get of to the point. That's I mean, this whole thing is yeah. And I think the most important part: understand the, the the deeply embedded religious undertones in my life that those are relevant to why I'm called Rev now. Uh-huh. Um, not directly, but uh, they're they're a big part of it. So um, it is that. High Sierra Music Festival that I uh, see some artists, 
such as Ani DeFranco, Fareed Hawk, and the Flat Earth Ensemble. Uh, who is that your hometown festival, kind of? It's my. It's the one that is. Uh, yeah, it's my home festival. Uh, the folks there have been so kind, so supportive. Uh, can't thank them enough. That production crew, including, uh, well, we all know who does production yeah. ICR. It's Guido. Uh, he just texted me actually. <laughs> yeah. Hey Guido, thank you for all your support all these years. Yeah, same here, Guido. Uh but yeah, High Sierra's home fest for me. And they had uh I think it's still going on in some way, but they have the pick and porch there. Mm-hmm. Uh which is now the the Shabbat tent, I believe. That's cool. Uh nice folks there. Uh but anyway, I need I meet some folks. This is a little later, I think, a couple years later, two thousand ten maybe. I meet uh Jacob, Mimi, Naja, Kellen, T. Tom, fruition, uh, fruition, at the pick and porch. Nathan Moore, uh, Willie T. Taylor, uh, and spent a lot of mornings playing whatever songs we could pull together. While the late nights are getting out at four, crowds are building and shrinking until eventually it's just a few of us hanging out. Anyway. Is that- um, Maybe why Nathan does that thing uh, at Jam Cruise. Man, I wonder which one is the chicken and the egg there. I don't know. I feel like Nathan inspired that. I hope so. Well, he's High Sierra and shit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he's one of the biggest inspirations in my life, too. Why? Um, That is an honest man. He He gives you all of what he is. Faults, strengths, all of it. That's what I heard. I heard. I mean, um, I had one conversation with him. We did a second line. So every, from after my show, we made the whole crowd go to Nathan's concert. And there was like literally a thousand people. Nice. And then he was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. Yeah, man. Um, he, he's, he's just, he taught me, I don't know, he was kind of one of the first people I saw up and close like that. Just like, here's me and my guitar. And certainly I'd seen that before, but not in that way, in that mm-hmm. transparent sharing way that Nathan has. Um, the same with Brad Barr from the Barr Brothers. Yeah. Um, those are the two people who I think, if we're talking about the 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 seeds of songwriting being planted in my brain, it was, it was those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, which led me to so many other folks, but I, Nathan and Brad are the two guys that kind of really got me going on wanting to write songs. That's great. Uh, but it is that pick and circle where a man named Steve Owen from San Francisco, I lived there for a while, and he started calling me the right Reverend Matthew Rieger first at the pick and circles because I would always play these Ralph Stanley songs, these old gospel songs. And so he started calling me the right Reverend Matthew Rieger circa 2012, 11, something like that maybe. Sorry, I, I, a little, my memory's a little foggy about that. Whole time. <clears throat> and let's see here. Oh, he shows up at High Sierra. And then... When, 06? No, this was, yeah, I think more like 11, 12. Okay, so five years gone by, you haven't been called the Rev yet? Yeah, no, no one... Well, no, so that was... It was pretty new then. I think probably 11 or 12 was when I started going to the picks in San Francisco. Uh-huh. And that's where Steve met me, started calling me Rev... And then a couple years later, so maybe even 13, 14, probably by 13, I would think, um, he shows up and calls me Rev. And that kind of caught on with Nathan, 
Willie, Jay, and Mimi. Mm-hmm. And so the uh, the Kareva virus spread through Jay. <laughs> one by one. <laughs> one by one. Yeah, exactly. Picking. And the world is being taken over now. There's folk singers everywhere now. <laughs> you have 12-day quarantine or you will become a folk singer. <laughs> well, that's great, though. I mean, so like... You're picking, you're finally feeling your stride. Were you still listening to Christian music around here? No, I was... Uh, Start taking some drugs, like some acid or what? Yeah, you know, it was right around then. I was a late bloomer there. What was there. the first drug you took? Uh, alcohol. When? Uh, I was first drunk in the year 2005. Wow, that's or, late. Yeah. So, that's like, tw- how old are you, 20s? I'm, th- I'm 35. So 2005, 15, so you're 20. Yeah, yeah, 2021. I'm so, pretty sure I was 21. Yeah, so normal. Um, yeah, not crazy. No. Um, and actually, I'm great. fucking? Uh, no, no it, well, hmm. well, yeah, not until right about then. Okay. But well, I was not cool for a very long time. I hope people can wrap their heads around. Well, like, like no pussy, like no girlfriends? No, no, I had a girlfriend technically. That we we had planned on saving our first kiss for the wedding day. Religious? Yeah. Wow. No fingering, no jack off in front of each other? No, nothing. Holy shit. You know what? I'm grateful for it now, honestly, that I, I maintained some innocence until I was... Why? Because I think, uh, except for the pussy, like that would, that, you should probably do that. Get some pussy. Like, yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, you see Little Miss Sunshine. Hold on, were you beaten off? Yeah. Uh, a lot? I would think I would hope an average amount. What's an average amount? Well, back then it wasn't nearly as high as it is now because of the goddamn internet's. Oh my um, god! Yeah, I, I couldn't. I mean, can you imagine? I used to come on the same JPEG. <laughs> it's gross. I was really into ladies' necks for a while because that was as far as the image would download by the time I finished. <laughs> so you're you're basically abstinence. You basically don't know about this vagabond life yet. Until you're 21. That's pretty fucking awesome. Kind of crazy. But I think it allowed for some development that was probably helpful for me, not necessary for everyone. Like what? Like an unaltered mind in terms of, of chemical, an unaltered, chemically unaltered mind until 21 has a, a, a chance to breathe, I think. I've managed to fuck it up since then. Like, of course, me too. So, okay, so you're, you have this idea this pure sense you didn't no pussy no drugs no alcohol really until you your brain's fully developed has enough oxygen in it yeah then you get to this point in your life where you meet all these fucking hippies these fu- goddamn hippies let me tell you did it change your life for the better absolutely um you know I, I'm, a, I'm a recovering wook uh Same. you can you can imagine me maybe some uh some jeans covered in patches and what do you like about wook life um, I think it was it was just diving off of off of this perch of of innocence and um and purity in just going for it untethered. Fuck everything that I've ever thought to You're be purging. true. Purging, yeah. And I think generally speaking, the pendulum swings as far as it is drawn. So you know, it's like. If you go 16 years of basically only associating with homeschooled Christian folks to <laughs> that clock's coming <laughs> to high Sierra, 
So what, do you remember the first moment where you saw Wooks? You're like, whoa, I need to be this. Yeah, you know, it was High Sierra, I'm sure. Yeah, but do you remember the exact moment? Was someone like puffing a fucking nitrous balloon or like? You know what it was? It was this, it was this dude. Never, never introduced myself. Uh, never, <laughs> never met him. But he's, he's one of those guys where like he's at every festival. He just, he doesn't, he, from like, you know, at that time, I don't think festivals were running quite as widely as they are now in yeah. terms of dates. But, um, yeah, I looked at this guy and I'm like, shit, that guy looks like Jesus. Like, full on, he had that vibe. That vibe. And I'm, I'm, I've never seen it from, uh, you know, I've never seen it before. But I get, I get like the, like, I, you, you see these pictures of Jesus and you're like, oh, shit, that guy it was at High Sierra for sure. Like, just kind of this, like, everything's going to be okay vibe. Like, come with me, I got you vibe from this dude. Um, and it was, it was then that I was like, you know what? Let's cut loose here. Put on a fucking bandana. Pierce your ears. <laughs> Did you have a conversation with this? No, I never met the... Wook Jesus? This Wook Jesus. <laughs> Wook I do, Jesus. I think I've met Wook Jesus in different forms around the country and different campsites and music festivals. Uh, different Wook Jesus. Because Wook Jesus is really more than that. Yeah. Wook Jesus is the idea that a man who is not concerned with possessions... Not terribly concerned with his appearance or, or you know, um, some of the more fickle things in life. It's 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 universal, and he also has long hair and a beard. Like that represents goodness. Uh, so what if Jesus was actually a fucking wook, dog? I do believe that Jesus was in fact a wook. <laughs> Could be. Yeah, I'm going for. So here's an interesting book too on that topic. Uh, a book that really changed my life: Zealot. Uh, so the first was God Delusion by Richard Dawkins. The second was Zealot. I hope I'm saying it right, Riza Aslan. Um, talking about, Riza was talking about um, being pragmatic, being objective, and saying, like, what do we know about this time period, this geography, like this town, what was going on? Instead of, of following stories, like, Finding things that we can verify and, and like the antiquities are is a secular history book from that time or a yeah. book about history and um being objective saying what could have been and the, his conclusion and I I hope that he isn't offended by this but is that this these these were beautiful stories not intended to be history um. More of campfire stories? More, Yeah, campfire stories to make people feel good about the future and give people hope. And especially in times like these, I'm just like, you know, whatever you got to do to find hope. And if that's Jesus, if that's... If that's I'm so excited High music Sierra. videos. I'm so excited music videos streaming now. <laughs> but, but it's true. It's like, what is, what is hope? Yeah. What I don't... Is it? I think hope lies in in belief in in and things that have been seen. That's why I prefer hope to faith. I prefer belief to faith because uh, I do have reason to believe that things are going to be okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that because of something that we don't have evidence for, which is kind of a core part of the word faith. Um, belief without reason. It's it's a, a harsh perspective on the word but that's what i think faith is so do you think 
seeing these looks and seeing the and seeing this live festival scene for the first time made you instead of faith believe in hope that's a great way to put it um because you're seeing it all like yeah. this is what i've always imagined well and to be yeah exactly uh and you know one of the the big moments i i is it, the big moments of that festival was Fareed hawk high on acid uh my first time um and what did he do to you I mean, it was it was a it was a fairly out of body experience. Um, hearing music hmm, that people really really love to play. I was playing a lot of music that I didn't love to play. Uh huh. Um, and what I felt was a connection beyond uh, an, like a brain beyond a brain connection. There was a heart connection. Most of the music that I played was to stimulate my brain. And when I saw Fareed Hawk, I had a great, like, seated in this in the vaudeville tent. Uh, and uh, I felt heart music for, maybe not the first time, but what I heard was, I heard this love and deep gratitude and, and gratification from this music. So I had to give up what I was doing at that point. Uh-huh. And trying to be a hippie rock star. Oh, so that was the moment? That was basically it. It was you know, High Sierra. I had the same moment. I was 19. I saw Damien Rice live. And I've always thought I was going to be a teacher, not a musician. I was over it. I was working in the music industry. And I saw this guy high. I was probably high. I went by myself. It was in Oakland at the, because I went to college at SF State. I haven't heard of him for a long, I heard his name for so long. Dude, man. Irish folk teller. Yeah. Dude, like, that's like my dream, dude. What you're doing with your band is what I've always wanted to do. Play <laughs> folk, play fucking songs that fucking feel, you know, and to have that moment there. So that changed your life. You're, do you think that moment in that vaudeville stage changed your life? Yeah, To who absolutely. you are now? Same with Ani DeFranco that year. Same with... Uh, That's a big year for you, bud. Yeah. And this was a couple of years after I started going. I, I can't remember exactly which one, but... Um, At first, yeah. when you're going into High Sierra, like, still, like, pure Christian Matt. <laughs> yeah, I, I had gone in there. So, 21 came around, alcohol came around. And if you want to talk about a gateway drug... Uh, I would insist that it's alcohol. I mean, Why? Because it's legal, it's encouraged, it's widely accepted, and of course you're going to start there. Yeah. And if we're trying to say that alcohol is not a drug, I don't really know what we can do with that conversation because it is. So in that sense, it's going to be, the fir- for most people, the first drug they take. And then that will lead them to other drugs. Yeah. Um, and so that was this, we are coming to the great stumble of Matthew Rieger. Uh, it w- it wasn't a year later that I was probably, uh, about a year later, maybe selling cocaine. It was, it, it, it happened quick. Uh, really? yeah, real quick. Selling cocaine? From, from, from sober to selling cocaine, like two years, maybe. Shut the <laughs> fuck up. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> Alcohol. It all started with, yeah. Alcohol. Alcohol. <laughs> good Christian boy 
into forty dollars a eight ball, forty dollars yeah. a gram, hundred and eight ball. Yeah, pretty Damn. much. It was so, a terrible blow too. So what? Hold on. Why did you get into coke? Uh, well, if if you've done coke, you know why I got into coke. Uh, if you haven't done it, my advice is not to. You'll be fine. You can Do you live. Like speed? Like yeah. did you felt like that was like something you like was missing in your life? Was like we talking? Well, are we talking old school speed or what? I like any sort like, of amphetamine. You know, just like the whatever you whatever got you. How was your first feeling in cocaine? Like what? Or it could have been meth or fucking sure. whatever it is. Um, I, I call everything speed. Code, yeah, all that stuff. Is fucking. It, it, it's, it's a blanket term for all the things. They're all doing the same. They they, yeah. they they try to accomplish the same thing. What do you like about that? What do you like about that drug? Um, well, I don't have any problem chilling. I can I can chill very easily. Uh-huh. Um, but the excite the excitement, the curiosity, the I mean, like Jesse Pinkman said it well in uh, in Breaking Bad when he's trying to get the girl at the gas station to try it, and he's like, it just makes everything interesting. And though. Why um, everyone talks so yeah, much. Yeah, so we're talking, I'm talking about cocaine here, but any kind of speed, upper, that's what you're, that's what you're chasing with it. And you're, I think you're going to chase the first time, that's all you're doing, is chasing the first time you did it. And so my, my advice is if you, you know, no one should do cocaine. <laughs> it's not good for you. Yeah. It's, there's no justification for it. I still love it. Yeah. I, I love it too much. I had to stop doing it. Yeah, I, I've heard I've heard those stories, and you know, me beating off in a bathroom in Europe, mm-hmm. just like which I've done completely like. sober. But it-, <laughs> it is halftime at the Andy Fresco Interview Hour. Hello, I am Arno Bucker, and this is Staying Relevant with Arno Bucker. Today we will analyze lyrical structures and hidden messages in the song Spine of a Dog by the artist Mo. Shall we get started? I am a pinball machine. I can't tell the difference between my belly button or navel, ping pong, pool cue, or a foosball table. Why is it you ask me why? I don't know the answer. Why is it you ask me why? I don't know the answer. Why is it you ask me why? I don't transmit what hits my eye. We're the same, yeah. You and me. Except you say potato and I say three. I'm thinking of what I'd rather be. Paramecium is looking pretty good to me. I'd be so small you could not see. I could still be your worst enemy. What utter nonsense, this song from 1996. It reminds me of 1976, when in the Muppet Show, Rolf sang, Coddleston, Coddleston, Coddleston pie, a fish can't whistle, and neither can I. Ask me a riddle and I'll reply, Coddleston, Coddleston, Coddleston pie. A sung poem actually written by A.A. Milne in 1926. You hear Pooh Bear rhyming. And the beautiful thing about utter nonsense is that it flexes your mind. It makes you crawl in the other's mind. It learns you to accept that life doesn't rhyme. It makes you settle for unclarity or curious for answers. And it shows you a multi-layered world. Is that still relevant? See you next week in Staying Relevant with Arno Bucker.
Okay, so why'd you start selling Coke? Like, were you poor or? Well, I wanted to do more Coke. Okay, so. So there's a, that's a logical progression there for a lot of people. So you end up just like paying for the Coke that you're doing through selling it. Yeah. Yeah, and at this point, you know, I've used. How old are you here? Uh, 25, 24. After I would this think, moment with... Uh, I mean, I, I, I should have gone through and kind of thought about that for a second. I, I want to get the years right, but that's within a year or two of where we're at. It's, it's of, So early. after the acid trip in the vaudeville tent into you seeing a light of different perspection or perspective, or perf- yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And uh, then you're in San Francisco, right? Where you live? So... All of a sudden, you have these new feelings in life, new flavors. Yeah, and you get addicted to them. Yeah. So you've been how many years were you selling cocaine for? Uh, not long, and here's why: uh, I sold to a guy who stole a car, and I get a call from one of my friends saying this dude uh, got busted, and he's he's gonna turn on, he's gonna flip on you. Uh, but like, how much were you selling for someone to be like? I think I probably sold him a gram. But like, were you selling weight? No. So uh, like, but I, you know how that that whole thing yeah. goes. I would end up. They would have tried to get me to flip and et cetera, et cetera. And, yeah. And you know what? I absolutely would have. Kevin Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky I didn't get get arrested. Yeah. Um. But it's true. <laughs> so like, so that happened. That scared you shitless. Yeah. And then I got sober. Uh, I smoked a little pot, but because you're still a good Christian boy, I'm still I'm still deep down Matthew Rieger. Like he, he's still there. You're getting Matthew Rieger today. That's great. Does that does Matthew Rieger always eat at Rev? Wait, back then, oh, like you know the inner voice, the inner Matthew Rieger. When you're becoming Rev and you're becoming your adult, you know, because yeah. I think we have different phases in life. You know, we become different people. Like I, in the, my twenties, I used to just fuck everything and, you know, not care about anything and just fuck and just Which, live my life. Honestly, I, I think that's kind of do your best to keep it trimmed and and neat and tidy the best you can. But that is a good idea. Yeah, I think to it's go like, nuts at some point in your life, get out of control, make some weird, crazy decisions. Just try to trim the mistakes to yeah. like. Like, don't fuck anybody over and don't go to jail. Yeah, be a good person that, through it. Those are the the best ways, or the best ways to crash in life, I think. So you because you so build weird. out of that. Yeah. Hold on, say that again? You build when you come out of that. You build a better person. you. Yeah. You build a, a more more deliberate you, I think, when you reach kind of what will be your rock bottom. Have you ever had a rock bottom? What's your rock bottom? Uh, Was it that time? Yeah, I dropped, I dropped out of school. Um, for a few reasons, but under the guise of nobility, for sure, thinking, oh, I I have to pursue what makes me happy, not what I have to do to get through college. I probably should have just wrapped it up. However, I'm I'm happier now than I've ever been, and so whatever whatever mistakes, quote unquote mistakes, I made have brought me here. Yeah. So no problem. We're good. So why do we why do we feel like we have to like? always judge our past oh man i don't know uh it seems like everybody does it when i i think 
We should. Well, it's easy for me to say as someone who's privileged, mm-hmm. uh, been able through the through the help and guidance of so many people to accomplish what I've what I've always wanted to do. Um, easy to say for me that you know all your mistakes just make you stronger. But you know what? Sometimes those mistakes don't pan out, and so I, I, I'm grateful for my privileges and my the opportunities that have been given to me because I you know they made me who I am instead of someone who's dead or in jail. Uh, explain any ex, uh, any mistakes that didn't pan out. Like, do you, what is one that you feel? didn't pan out um let's see here i should have gone to therapy when my ex asked me to go to therapy um i should have gone to therapy sooner but you know like we broke up and everything's good we're both happier and better and more successful were you heartbreaking that fuck you up oh my god no that was that was as sad as i've ever been when when 2000 it was february 13th 2013 damn so this okay so you got out of Coke. Yep. You cleaned up. Were you with your chick when you were selling yeah, Coke? Yeah, we, we, uh, no, no. We were, we, were, we were together, but not living together. And then we moved to San Francisco. So you were fucking and just like dating? And- yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it was, un- you know, what's the Facebook status? Uh, it's complicated for like the bulk of the relationship. But we were, our hearts were always in some way, shape, or form heavily invested. Okay, so you guys move in with each other. What happened? Well, she went, she went through a traumatic incident in uh in west oakland that led to some some post-traumatic stress i i you know she 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 says that i did a good job i i obviously think i could have done better but everyone feels that way just like we were talking about you know but she went through some traumatic stuff uh and then urged me to go to therapy and i didn't and it didn't take long why was she urging you to go to therapy when she was going through dramatic stuff? Was she going? Did she go to therapy? Yes. Okay. So Extensive therapy. So she was helping. Yeah, she was absolutely right. If you're out there, Ray, you you were right. Because now you're doing therapy and you feel better. Right? Yes. Great. Um, yeah, I've 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 been out for a minute here. I got to get back with him. It's been. I think it's been a month or two since we've chatted, but. So this heartbreak. Tell me about this it. heartbreak. Yeah, um, we were engaged. Um. At a certain point, it became clear that we were both uh, planning on this long haul. So it made sense. And we got engaged. So you got engaged. Mm -hmm. And how long did the engagement last for? Did you go engage? Were you engaged because you felt like you were losing her? I've never been asked that. I've never considered it. But it's, it's possible. But I don't think so. I think... I th- I loved her with uh, with all of my heart, and I think she felt the same way. Um, we still love each other deeply. In a non, the romance is over. But you know, she said she said it well. She said what what I went through, we went through. Uh, so we we went through some some pretty rough stuff um, together. And if when you do that with someone, I don't you know I understand why people break up after traumatic situations yeah. diseases um yeah the ptsd mental health you know when when, th- when shit goes down you might break up yeah and i don't ever fault anyone for that yeah, yeah, yeah um 
Yeah, I loved her very much. Still do. So you, you're heartbreaking. You're heartbroken. It's 2011. Do you are 12? No, this is now 2013. Two, okay, it's 2013. Do you, yeah. did you meet Little Smokies yet? Uh, I had. Well, let me see here. You know who I had met was Andy's dad, John Dunnigan. If you're out there, John, shout out to John. Kudos, brother. What happened? Uh, I, I was, uh, in, you know, still in Ellensburg where I went to school and I was just looking for work. Uh, and, and if anyone out there is keeping track of these dates, I, you'll have to, uh, you have to forgive me if I messed up this stuff. It's a long life. Yeah. It's been a wild ride. Uh, so let's see here. I was just looking for gigs. You know, the, the reason I'm here today and if, you know, I, if anyone out there is struggling to find, to keep busy and obviously things are radically different right now via quarantine yeah um but if anyone is struggling to find to like make money playing music and be a professional musician um my my advice is just take every chance you get don't and call back immediately like you just you have to be on top of every single gig yeah uh that's not how everyone's gonna find their their path but it worked for me mm-hmm. where you get an offer, you you just play. So you meet. I meet Andy's, uh, dad. Andy's dad playing with the Dave Rawlinson band. That's tight. Uh, not. Oh, I'm not. Oh, I'm thinking of Rawlings. <laughs> yeah, I've never played music with David Rawlings. Uh, <laughs> I would like to though. He's a great player. Uh, but the, the Dave Rawlinson band is. Um, a classic country outfit early or was in, yeah. in, in, uh, in Ellensburg fronted by, I believe he's an attorney. He was, oh, it's right in the geographic center of Washington state. So you went back to Washington. No, this we're, we were, we're going back to when I met Johnny D mm-hmm. Andy's dad was that time, basically in college when I was just playing with whoever would hire me. Okay. And so I landed a, Landed a gig with this band called the Dave Rollins Band, and we would alternate sets with John Dunn again, and that would have been around 2006 or something like that, like way back when. Is Andy your age? Andy is a couple years younger than me. So, uh, But I met, yeah, I didn't meet him and the boys until uh, Wintergrass, not Winter Wondergrass, Wintergrass in Seattle, Bellevue, Washington. <clears throat> I met Cameron Wilson, former uh, Little Smokies mandolin player. Cameron, if you're out there, what's up, brother? Uh, he, he quit the band in shortly after I joined, we, we were only in the group together for about six or seven months. Uh, he has, he has a wife, a home. He, he's a woodworker now. Yeah. Uh, I'm always so happy to see him. He's, he's, uh, the most fun person to hang out with at a music festival that I've ever met. And that's a, it's a competitive category. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's incredible. Like some people just don't like the road. Yeah. I, and you know, same with like I got my job because the guitar player, the original guitar player, Little Smokies, wanted to go do laundry whenever you want. Do the big grocery shop. Yeah. Do uh, not care about bus call, van call, load in, any of that. Like, yeah, you know, I guess everyone has their bus call. Everyone yeah. has their load in. It's just different. But yeah, the road is the road is is not. It's the greatest thing I've ever done and what I'm what I love most, but it's it's, it's really hard. What's hard uh, about it? Lonely, being lonely uh, while, when you're surrounded by others. Yeah. And not true. wanting to not allowing yourself to feel that because you think, "Oh, how could I how could I be sad? 
how could I be lonely? I'm doing everything I've ever wanted with all my friends around me all the time. Yeah. But that being, that being said, your friends are all around you all the time. And is it a mind state? Cause we're just, do you think we force ourselves to stay on the road? Cause we don't want intimacy. You know, it's a good point. <laughs> I mean, you're like me, Rev. We're like, we just like shoo away our feelings and just stay in fucking Dickipsie, fucking Illinois, because the band yep. doesn't want. So you could say, you know, because yep. you have another flight in two days. Like you're telling me, like, yeah. you never had a home. Have you ever had a home? Uh, yes. My home, my home, broadly speaking, is the Pacific Northwest. Uh-huh. Uh Right now, I love the Oregon coast. It's where I feel most uh, at rest and at peace. For I, I don't know why. It's hard to say. Yeah, I feel that. I mean, I like. This is the first time I picked a home, Denver. Yeah, it's a great home to pick. I love it. I, I've been having the best time. But the people like, here are just you know they're so cool. But I've never had a girlfriend, Rev. Yeah, I never. I've had multiple one night stands and just. You know, Wait, never in your you've never had a girlfriend? Never. I guess I've really only had like I had one serious relationship. I didn't I've not had a bunch of relationships, but it was long. Why do you think that? Well, honestly, like if you guys so can you imagine me with like a shaved head and a goatee wearing a tracksuit? Like <laughs> <laughs> Nope. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm like, it's crazy to me that you're like some devoted Christian who didn't get no pussy and like yep. didn't take drugs when you're 12, you know, like, yep. like it's just like the yep. vibe. That's so, yeah. Psychedelic drugs will change your life. What's wrong? What's wrong? Uh, what's Rev? wrong at that time? No, no. Right. Like, what do you think? Is it intimacy? You're oh, scared of? oh, uh, you know, so I've had, I've had, a, I, you know, I had a love that, um, I don't think a lot of people ever get to have my, my time with my ex. I, I felt a love that I'm grateful for. I think it, that's it. It's hard to find. Yeah. Uh, my parents have shown me unconditional love in, in that way, in a non-romantic way. I should, should I say, um, but <laughs> thankfully, uh, but uh, likewise, yeah. <laughs> No, but like seriously, like do you th- like what are you running from right now, or do you think you're running? Do you think you do you enjoy this life? Or are you lonely right now? You know, uh, yes, yes, to uh, both is the answer to that. I I, I think um, my official press press release statement here. Uh, I am uncomfortable taking on someone else's emotional needs, or at least a significant responsibility for their emotional needs. Because I disregard my own emotional needs for the sake of my career, uh-huh. and it's it, it's always felt like an unfeeling position, but it is how I how I am, and I try to be really candid about that with with any potential partners or romantic uh, uh, relationships. Um, that candor is going to save save you. Being honest with what you can and cannot provide will help. Will, will always help. Maybe that means you need to never see this person again. But that's probably better if you're, you know, given that you've been honest with them. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I try to be honest with 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 people about that. Um, 
I think that I I am lonely, and that they're they're more lonely than I've been. Like for the last year or so, I think I've felt a little more lonely. Uh, like needing of 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 one person that you can go back to and who knows it all. Uh, you don't have to explain. You know, there's no disclaimer in your conversation. Like they've read it, they know what you are and, and how you feel about things. And so I miss I miss going back to that same person. Yeah, and uh, you know, your nickname doesn't fucking help <laughs> because what is a reverend? Is you're giving out advice and you're giving out spiritual guidance. Same thing as a musician. Yep, you give out spiritual guidance to everybody, and then you don't leave any for yourself. Yep. And that's how sometimes how we feel lonely. Like it makes perfect sense. I, I mean, that's what I'm trying to understand. My therapist, you know, I've been talking to about. He's this fucking. He's like this no bullshit Jew, dog. Old man Jew. <laughs> oh, he does all the him. comedians. Like he's like, yeah, you're just depressed. <laughs> I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, man. Um, Hard nosed Judaism, isn't it beautiful? Oh, exactly. What about is it this? It, I, is, I is it the same as hard nosed Christianity or what? It is just not nearly as funny. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> My ex is 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 Jewish, and uh, her father is is a you know an inspiration first and foremost, but just such a, a beautiful cartoon of of a, of, a, of a Jewish man with some incredible incredible advice mixed in with some wildly inappropriate positions on things. You know, he he was just he was he is a uh, a fount of all sorts of, of knowledge and, and things. Yeah. Um, but so funny. Um, and in, in that, like, what did the doctor say way? Like, I care about you deeply, but I'm going to be incredibly honest and like no bullshit with you. Yeah. And ask these questions in a way that might not seem terribly considerate <laughs> terribly genuine no but like it's just straight to the point like hey no bullshit let's talk about this let's talk about this i mean that's a real friend you mm-hmm. know i don't like sugarcoating i don't want to i don't want a relationships full of sugarcoat you know we have to deal we have to do that all the time we have to sugarcoat promoters we got to sugarcoat you know just to keep this shit rocking i mean like life is short man and if we can't fucking be authentic then what the fuck are we doing Things are fucking oh, spotlight yeah, on me. Sorry, you gotta, yeah, get in here, buddy. Get in, get in the Yeah, shade. there we go. Um, I'm a shady kind of fella, you know. So, are you... Yeah, help me out. Where are we at now? I, I want to talk about this. Do you, are you still in love with your ex-girlfriend? She married? Uh, remarried? No, I'm not in love with her. I love her. Right? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I... Uh, Last we spoke, she had a, a, a solid relationship, I think. I, we haven't talked in a little bit. I'd like to actually, I was going to reach out to her this morning. Um, but yeah, we, I, I still love her. There, I'm not in love with her, though. Yeah. It's, it's pretty clear that we're supposed to be separate. What are you in love with? Uh, she's funnier than me. She's smarter than me. No, in general. Oh. Right now. What am I in love with? I gotcha. I guess, oh, was that a revealing answer to that question? Uh, what am I in love with? Um, I think you still like this girl. Oh yeah. Well, as in, I don't. I don't. I don't have a romantic. Oh, you like like vibe in, with her anymore? Physical. Intimacy we're we're friends. Is, it's more of intellectual intimacy. It's it's experience intimacy. Mm-hmm. Oh, like where how much we've you've dealt seen, with. we we've dealt with together the the most challenging part of our lives. 
And so that bond will never die. So it's like it's like the same thing with your band. Yeah. So like Yeah, it's the same thing. Nice. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, just, it's the exact same thing where you, you are married to this group. And, and even when you're burnt out and like, you know, like we were just talking about this when we were smoking a stick, quarantine life, you know, like maybe this is a blessing in disguise when we work, everyone works so much with the same people and just fucking grind, 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 grind. And you see everyone, you know, it's like, then we start not taking these little things for granted, you know? Yep. We start just... No, that's everyday life. Yeah. And then when you not like have it for a going weeks, into the pilot or the the flying yeah. J or the TNA, like exactly. Man, I love it. You, you know, you start uh, missing the pilots. You miss the the loves, dude. Like, where's the loves, dude? Where's that shitty coffee <laughs> and the crackhead fucking driver? Yeah. Just cracked out yep. at four a.m. Yeah. Hey, neighbor, you doing everything good over there? <laughs> I miss the I miss shit out of that. So much. I do, <sighs> but I wasn't missing it when I was burnt out. That yeah, exactly. Well, you you don't know what you got till it's gone. Yeah, and so let's explain that. Yeah, um, were you I, getting burnt out? Uh, I think if if anyone tries to tell you that they'd never get burnt out and then overcome it every single tour, I, I'm calling I'm calling bullshit. Yeah, same here. Like if yeah, if you tour, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Where you're gonna fall apart. Yeah, I mean, I mean like, okay, I, I'm not really too sympathetic at like a two week run. Like, come on, you, you can yeah. do this. But like a two month run. But yeah, when month you're, and a half. Yeah, you tell me you didn't break during that. Yeah, yeah, you like, get out of here. Get, yeah, get out of here. Why, what? So why do you think? Why well, you it's think- what I love. It's what I'm in love with. It's my favorite drug. Um, what is? performance touring mm-hmm. uh me too it's it's the drug and i talked with my therapist about this there's this this may be common um a common term i don't know but he for the first time explained to me the hedonic norm have you ever heard that before I haven't teach so me. this is one of my this is one of my favorite conversations with him He's, he says there's a there's a normal steady release of serotonin there's like a level that you run at uh, and when you experience, uh, well, so many things, roller coaster, comedy club, co- coffee with a friend, you know, that your serotonin is going to spike. And so when you get, when you, when you just hit it hard with performance every night, pretty much, um, it, it doesn't fall back down to the normal level. It's, it, it, it's still riding at this. So imagine like a, imagine a graph and it's just up at, like eight or nine, it's just riding up there. It's going to take a while to drop down to four or five where it should be. Uh, and so when you perform for weeks on end and it's exciting, even days off where it's like, Oh, what town are we going to now? Like, let's get in the van, go to the, go to the pilot. You know, that's a, that's an exciting day. Yeah. Now some of those like six plus hour rides to do uh, before a show, that's not exciting. No, but Let's see here. Oh, yeah. So your hedonic norm gets bumped up and it just takes a while to fall. So when you get off the road, now the rug has been pulled out from underneath you. You got you got no serotonin because your drug is pulled out and gone. Mm-hmm. And he compared it very much to a heroin withdrawal. Obviously not as difficult 
Yeah. Well, I wouldn't know, but well, we'll find out we'll, in two months when all our gigs are gone. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how real this. We're gonna is. see how low that can go, and we'll also see. Yeah. But you know, it's like it's. A, I agree, man. This is why we have dip days. Uh, is a dip day exactly what it sounds like? Yeah, so like when you get off the road and your first oh, day. Oh, yeah. Of okay, we call life. that the deficit. The deficit? <laughs> so a little more ominous than the dip day. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, that's why we're so sad because yeah. we're expecting this nine serotonin level. And you, you push the exhaustion, the emotional bankruptcy. You just push it down there. Yeah. And that's where Rev comes in handy. Like Rev has to deal with that. And then when you get off the road... Matt Rieger comes out. So is Rev your alter ego? Oh, I have I have several. Okay, explain. Okay, so this goes back to why you're being called Rev. Yeah. So, uh, well, we can. Did we did we cover we, our our previous topic well enough? Um, yeah, we did. Cool. But we're, we have I have we have plenty more to go. All right. Um, <laughs> but are you good? You guys? Yeah, I'm talking? good. Okay. I'm loving Want some this. more uh, champagne. Uh, I just have Lacroix and vodka, but. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's quarantine, actually, hard times. Quarant, yeah. Uh, um, I got a quarantine up up at the hill oh, yeah? with Lincoln and Maggie. It's a good team. Oh, dude. I, well, that's a quarantine. For, this is a quarantine right here. Don't it doesn't have to have emergency. I got some. You want some? Uh, I never really like that stuff. I've been putting it in my tea. It's gross. Yeah, it's 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 funky. I don't. Uh, yeah. But somehow I like Diet Coke. That doesn't make any sense. It seems like you like what you like. You like what you like. Um. So going back to this rev thing. Oh yeah. So tell me. It was, when did you finally accept the role? Oh, it, there was a, I, you know what? It was like, it was the first week of December in 2016 was yeah, when so it became yeah, a full-time right name. We're, we're still in the same timeline. Yeah. Oh, we got this. <clears throat> so it was a festival nickname exclusively um, at High Sierra. That was just what people called me Rev there and nowhere else, except for this one dude in San Francisco. And then Cameron, who we mentioned earlier, uh, he played the mandolin in Little Smokies. He was a founding member. Um, his, his girlfriend, Xanthi, uh, a friend of mine from High Sierra, recognized a picture of me and says, oh, that's, that's Rev. And Cameron came up to me and said, hey, do people call you Rev? And I, I explained uh, more briefly what, we, what I explained to you earlier. Um, Are you Matt in Little Smokies? Well, see, there's Matt Cornetti, also known as Mark Cornice, also known as Dr. Julian Teresa. <laughs> we all have a few names, but... Um, Why, just by what type of personality you're in that yeah, day? Yep, yep. <laughs> Some are more flattering than others, it's but love, it, it is. There, it's always based in camaraderie and laughing about the things that are hard to laugh about. Mm-hmm. Such yeah. as like the, the deficit, the dip day, what we're talking about. Those days on the road when you just don't want to do it. I know. I, I, I was hanging out uh, somewhere with, with, with Lincoln, Andrew Lincoln from uh, Green Sky. I was talking with him about, he's like, are you doing okay? It's like, yeah, I just, I just don't want to be here right now. Yeah. And every, I think most musicians can identify with that. Yeah. There's no reason for it. You just don't want to do it. Yeah. And so those nicknames come out of those times. Some of those like hard to laugh at times. Yeah. You ever, um, tried to, you ever almost break up? Ever I don't think. Or any, ever like just fought, try to fight your band? Uh, there have been, thankfully, 
Uh, no physical altercations <laughs> thus far. It's around 1,500 days without any physical altercations. That's pretty good, um, man. But uh, where are we at now? Oh, yeah. We've had, oh, you know, I think also if you haven't had a tense moment with your bandmates that was probably totally avoidable, I'm also calling bullshit. Yeah. 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 Over something that isn't that important. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you get to that low, that serotonin, like where you're still on the road, but you're you're just done with serotonin and happiness and optimism. Yeah. Again, you know what I'm talking about, all the touring folks out there, and probably most people. Yeah. It happens. Well, we're people. At we're, the end of the day, yeah. it doesn't matter. When you put six people who can't fuck in a in a fucking metal tube. Yep. And just say, all right, good luck. Yep. And let me tell you, I cleaned out the van recently. I found three chicken bones. Ugh. Ugh. I would fucking, I would, I would, I would, I would scream. We didn't even talk about your band at all. No. And I can't wait for that conversation. Yeah. Man, to be continued. Well, with the it's, rest. it's the greatest blessing that I got. What do. is it? That band. Why? Well, man, they are the army with which we, go, you know, you fight the battle with the army you have. Yeah. And that's what they are. We're all, we are together, unified uh, 99% of the time. Uh, and, and chasing the same dream together. And that's, that's just like a, a, a romantic relationship would be too. Like you're chasing this dream of, of happiness and peace and comfort. And they are, they are the, the army that I fight that battle with. What do you want to be remembered by, Rev? Um, I hope that people can see that I'm grateful for everyone that comes out to the shows, everyone that helps put on the shows, everyone who's been a part of my life has helped me be who I am today. And so I hope that they can see gratitude. Do you see gratitude? Uh, I'm a hypercritical man and I sometimes feel like I'm not grateful enough. Uh, but I do think I, I think I'm doing my very best at it. And what are you not grateful for? Well, I think just like many of us, I was, I was not grateful for chips and salsa in the green room. Yeah. Until like <laughs> and pilot coffee. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wasn't grateful for. I mean, I was, but yeah. not grateful enough yeah. for so many things that I just did every day. I'm glad you talked to me. Glad uh, I was able to. Glad I know, you I got to nervous. Me. I was because uh, like I really wanted to talk to you. I, f- I feel like there's a special kindred spirit. I love your guys. I love Jake. I talked to Jake a bunch. Yeah, I relate with you. Yeah, same. We're in a way the same person, you know. Yeah, because we love the idea of a traveling salesman. <laughs> we're yeah. like a, a Harold Hill Which for the Music Man. Uh, you know what? I've not seen the Music Man. I love it. it's one of my favorite plays. I went and saw Lion King on on Broadway when we were in New York. Yeah, and actually, really, yeah, that's cool of you, man. As 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 cliche as it is to go see like the most, I, I would assume it's. One of the, if not the most, the one of the most popular musicals in in the world, right? Yeah, it's beautiful. But I, Andy and I, mic'd this bottle of acid, and uh, and went to see in, the Lion King uh, on acid. Well, no, I we so we I tried to make micro doses, but they weren't incredibly micro. <laughs> They're strong, <laughs> and we found it out that night when we had an off night in New York. Um, 
Uh, so I took I took two of these, or no, yeah, two of these micros, quote unquote micros, and uh, yeah, shit got a, a little real in the theater. Like what happened? Well, all of a sudden I realized that I'm we're in we're in for a, a ride here. This is not a micro. Hold on, did you? How long did it take until it hit you? Like, uh, right when you sat down. Kind of, once the play starts, and and gal comes out and is like, nah, no, <laughs> In this like incredible costume, was Andy feeling the same? No, way? Andy did not go with. I went by myself. Oh my god! Um, you took acid by yourself? Yeah. Well, you know what they say about doing drugs by yourself. What? It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I am. I, mean, I it, this quarantine, I haven't done mushrooms in uh, I don't know, week and a half. Yeah. Is that a regular regular activity for you? I mean, on tour, I'm doing mushrooms maybe five days a week. Okay, nice. I like it. I did that. I did that as a big part of my um, development development years. as a person. It really helped and, me open me up to like be Andy Frasco, not yeah. Andy Frasco the entertainer. Sure, yeah, um, which is is hard. Um, I'm two different people. Yeah, you are too. Well, and, and that's why I'm so Going grateful for that. Rev because Rev's this like thing you can put all your shit on. Yeah. Like we were talking about the dip day and the, and the deficit, like Matt has to deal with that. Matt, Matt doesn't. Matt, Matt doesn't deal with that. Matt Rieger puts on some sweats and like hides out in the van. I love it. Like, so, you know, Matt gets in the van in the morning, Rev gets out of the van and Matt just kicks it. Yeah. And then when Rev needs a break, have Matt ever, Rieger comes out. Have you ever brought Rev into the van? Oh, yeah, well, so I guess you could argue that the Rev's everywhere and Matt Rieger is everywhere. No, no, but like, just like partied for two days, three days straight, brought that shit into the van when everyone's hung over and you're still like, woo, let's fucking go. <laughs> uh, you know what I would love to hear is <laughs> that same question asked of my group. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Yeah, there, there are times when I have to curb my enthusiasm in the morning. Uh, I, I, you know, I get a yeah, little excited. staying up all night. <laughs> yeah, and like, let's you know, do this eight-hour ride, boys! Fortunately, I have, uh, I've, I don't play through much anymore. Um, yeah, we're getting older. We're getting to that point where, because very little that great happens after 4 o'clock in the morning outside of like a hotel room or a tent. Yeah. Exactly. It's like you can usually pass on that. Yeah. You know, just <laughs> and then furthermore, once that sun comes up, nah. Well, that's when you start not appreciating it because then you're back to real life a little bit and you're mm-hmm. still fucked up. And then once it's time to show time, your dopamine level's fucked. Yeah. And then you feel fucking shitty. Yeah. And <laughs> really? You keep partying, you keep drinking just to suppress the shittiness. And that's when you start fucking spiraling into like yeah. taking all this shit for granted. Yeah, I think um, I had, we had, it, uh, 18 was quite the year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially the end of the year. Um, we we went after, we got after it. Well, support tours are, are interesting. We were support for Green Sky, Bluegrass in the fall of 18. And uh, they're expensive. A lot yeah. of people don't really think about that, and you get fucked up, and yeah, and you get you get you're after done it. Forty five minutes, yeah, you play your forty five, but you got to hang out, yeah, because you know you got merch. Also, you might do sit ins. Like you're yeah. you're in this, yeah. You can't you're, you can't leave. No. Plus, you don't want to because it's a good time, yeah. 
But like, you know, sometimes you're not feeling it. And like when that's the great thing about headlining, it's like you're, you're on stage the whole time. So like mm-hmm. when you're not on stage, you're going to fucking party. Like I did that with Umphrey. I mean, I was yeah, open for I bet you that's Green quite Sky the scene too. there, open for Umphrey's. Oh, it's just fucking, you know, it's like, the. it's just like, I'm a social person. Yep. So right when I get off stage, I'm promoting, let's get fucked up. Yeah. I'm going to be here. Take me to your bar. Yep. You know? Well, also that's your brand too, Yeah. yeah. is the that's life the, of the party. Like that's yeah. what you have cultivated. Yeah. And someone who's the like energy and emotional leader of the area they're in. Yep. And, and so, and, and most performers do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think the best performers are able to be consistent with their brand and represent what they are basically like turning all the time. a flip, turning yeah. a switch, like Rev from Maddie to Revy. Yep. And now, you see, but then, uh, you know, when you start to get to know these people who come out and spend so much money and so much time coming to your shows, again, yeah. something that I'm so grateful for and certainly have taken for granted from time to time. But um, Me too. Yeah, the these people become your family really quickly. Yeah, I know. Uh, and so when that does happen, I try to move to a world where, like, they do know Matt Rieger. Mm-hmm. Uh, because at, once we get to be good friends, you're you're... I, I let I let down Rev a little bit. Yeah. Do you think you'd ever quit this? Man, I I hope not. But if I did, I think it would come about naturally and be something that was probably healthy. What would it take to quit? Uh, <laughs> I don't want us to self sabotage this beautiful thing you have right now. But what? Well, there's no virus on this earth that can make me stop. Yeah. Chasing that. There's. I mean, obviously, we're you know we're making adjustments in a non pandemic state we're always uh, overcoming adversity to do what what we do just like everyone else trying to do what they they want to do like there's no difference there we're all just trying yeah. our best to yeah. get what we want um and let's see where were we at oh point is uh man have you watched the david crosby documentary remember no, my good. name or something oh, oh where it gets all fucked up and hurt man i watched that on the plane and uh, that's not advisable because it was ugly crying and then like laughing out loud and and well not inadvisable you know laughing out loud and crying is a beautiful part of life but like <laughs> but yeah if you want your makeup to smear watch that movie um what'd you learn from that movie uh that everyone will have their shortcomings in life, but you you have to do your very best to care for the people around you because they're all you're going to have in the at the end of and uh, at the end of, the, of your life. We'll, call, we'll say it how it is. Like he's looking back now, and his his movie. <clears throat> I don't know that it was intended to, to be this, but was a reminder to be good to the people around you because they're all you're going to have left at some yeah. point. Uh, but he said it well. He, someone said, the interviewer, probably Cameron Crowe, said to him, if you had to choose between a longer life and a life without music, and I'm paraphrasing, uh, what would you choose? And he, he says, me, without music, and then points his fingers to his head and imitates a gun shooting. You know, he's like, I'm yeah. out. No. Uh, so the answer to that question what would it take for you to quit something entirely unforeseen or death is yeah. the answer there. Are you scared to die? No. Uh, I don't want to. 
Like, of course not. Uh, I am thrilled to get up every morning, and I'm grateful for that. Thanks for being on the show, Riff. Thanks for having me. I love you, buddy. Love you too. Coddleston, Coddleston, Coddleston pie. A fly can't bird, but a bird can fly. Ask me a riddle, and I reply. Coddleston, Coddleston, Coddleston pie. Coddleston, Coddleston, Coddleston pie A fish can't whistle and neither can I Ask me a riddle and I reply Coddleston, Coddleston, Coddleston pie Coddleston, Coddleston, Coddleston pie Why does a chicken, I don't know why Ask me a riddle and I reply Coddleston, Coddleston, Coddleston pie